what's up? This is Patrick. Welcome to episode 16 of the Double ETF podcast, everything except the football. I hope you guys are doing great. Today, I talk with Kevin Hardbarger, originally from North Carolina, but now living in Illinois. This was a fun conversation. We covered tons of topics, plenty about traveling, plenty about sports, plenty about advertising, and uh, some laughs, of course. Cannot forget those. This is um, this is the longest episode yet, but don't let that discourage you. It's a good one. And um, as always, if you want to reach us, you can drop us a line on Twitter at EETFpod or EETFpodcast at gmail.com. Drop us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or if you want to contribute financially, that would be amazing. You can do so at paypal.me slash EETFpod. So um, that's it for now. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Kevin Hardbarger. Thanks. All right. With me today, I have the pleasure of welcoming on this show, Kevin Hardbarger. How are you, sir? I'm good, Patrick. How are you? Ah, good, good. Thanks. Long day, but... uh, I survived, so that's that's a, good. That's a good. Uh, that's a good start. I'm glad you um, survived. It's good to see you. Yes, thanks. <laughs> Likewise. So we know each other from the Name That Tune weekly quiz, but um, why? I know that this is uh, really open ended and probably frustrating as a question, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I, geez, uh, where to start? I um, so I'm originally from North Carolina. I Grew up in the southern part of the U.S., um, although I haven't lived there in close to 25 years. So my folks still live there. I still think of myself as you know native, uh, as a native of there. But <clears throat> it's been a long time since I actually lived there. I have uh, bounced around to New York and Boston, and and then I've been living in the Chicago area now for the past 11 years. Basically, after our kids were born, we relocated here. And, and are more or less settled. So I think this is this is where we'll be for the long haul. I work in advertising. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm basically, I don't make the ads, but I decide where the ads are going to run. So uh, I'm the guy who, uh, I'm the guy who the client gives all the money to, to go out and spend with, you know, the various TV networks and, and digital websites, et cetera. Uh, I've been doing that for well over 20 years. It's been a, Interesting career, to say the least. It's changed. I can imagine <laughs> quite a bit from uh, from when I started. Uh, there, there are no more three martini lunches, unfortunately. <laughs> Although now that we work from home, I guess no one would know. Yeah, uh, yeah, there could be. <laughs> it's up to you, <laughs> right? Uh, other than that, I'm you know obviously a big music fan. That's uh, you know ultimately how we ended up meeting. Mm-hmm. Big music fan. Have always been big music fan. Worked as a a DJ at my college radio station uh, while I was there, and then spent a few years, you know, working in in the record retail business right out of school uh, until realizing that that was not really a good, you know, long term career path. <laughs> um, and since then, I've just been a, a music fan, trying to, uh, you know, scratch that itch while you know nine to five working in the working in the ad biz. 
And um, your job, isn't it like the same job that uh, Billy Crystal had in uh, City Slickers, I think? He was uh, selling airtime on radio stations, for radio stations uh, or something? Oh, wow. Uh, gosh, I haven't seen that movie in so long. Um, <laughs> I guess if uh, <clears throat> if you know Mad Men, yes. I'm Harry Crane. Harry Crane. Um, Harry Crane. I've watched that series. It's one of my favorites. But Harry Crane, wasn't it uh, Rich Sommer? Yes, exactly. Oh, okay. So, okay. yeah, the guy with the thick glasses. He yes. started the TV department. That's more or less what he started there is, is what my part of the ad business is now. Okay. All right. So, okay. If we can track back to your origin stories. Sure. You said um, you were born in South Carolina. North, North Carolina. Carolina. North okay, Carolina. Sorry. Yes. Um, which uh, which city? I grew up in Raleigh. Oh, okay, that's where the Hurricanes play. Yeah, that's oh. right. That's right. Awesome. I went to I went to the first ever uh, official Carolina Hurricanes game. Oh, nice. Okay, and so you stayed in Raleigh until age uh, 27, 27, 28. It's so the late 20s. Okay, uh, so that means you you went to university in raleigh as well uh i went i went to school in north uh, in north carolina but not in raleigh so <clears throat> my college was in the mountains of north carolina about four about a four hours drive from raleigh which uh, which college uh, was it appalachian state okay and uh, i don't know the name of their team what is it <laughs> they're the mountaineers like west virginia yeah exactly okay so we're mo we are most well known for beating Michigan in football in 2007 uh, when we were still a uh, a lower Division One team. Oh, and Michigan okay. was nationally ranked, and it was you know uh, they were uh, expected to compete for the national championship, and then we went and beat them uh, at Michigan. And wow. the the joke I, I've always had is that was also the year my daughter was born. <laughs> I got more phone calls and texts from friends when we beat Michigan than I did when she was born. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. And Appalachian State. The name rings a bell now. Isn't there a um, a top-level athlete who went uh, there? Or is it my brain uh, playing tricks on me? Um, maybe. I mean, there's been a few. I, I, I would say like over the past... 10 years, we, we've kind of become a bigger football school and there's a handful of guys. And I don't know if I can name any off the top of my head, but there's a handful of guys that have gone on to the NFL. Um, it's always sort of random. I'll be watching a NFL game and they'll be talking about some guy and then they'll flash his college up and I'm like, Oh, Oh yeah. Okay. Nice. That's cool. <laughs> it's, it seems to happen more and more often. Certainly when I was in college, I don't know that there was anybody um, from our school that played in the NFL. And did you, did you play any college sports or? I didn't know. I'm not, uh, I, I was never, I was never much of an athlete. So I sort of, you would rather watch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> For same, <laughs> same. <laughs> I, I love sports, but I suck at them. <laughs> you mentioned also living in uh, Boston and New York. Mm -hmm. Yep. Always for work. Uh, yes. Yes. Well, I sort of, um, you know, I, I kind of ran off to New York as someone in his late 20s who wanted to get outside of the town he grew up in and, you know, go to the big city and, you know, get into advertising and do all that. So that was um, 
you know, by design as a lot of, a lot of people do at that, at that point. And then, um, a few years after moving to New York, I met someone who I'm now married to, and it was actually her job that took us to Boston. Oh, okay. Um, so we spent a few years in Boston. We got married in Boston. Uh, so we still have, um, some connection to it, but after a couple of years, we, we went back to New York. Oh, okay. So may I ask what, uh, what is her line of work? Um, she's in advertising. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Small yeah. world. She's actually not anymore, but at the time, at the time we met, she was working in a, in a marketing role and we just had some common, we, we didn't actually meet directly uh-huh. in the business, but we had some common friends who uh, set us up on a blind date. Oh, okay. But uh, were you working in uh, rival businesses? No, uh, I I was working at an ad agency, so doing what I still do now. And at the time, she was working in the marketing department at Time Magazine. Uh, so okay. I was kind of a client. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so technically, even though when we first started dating, I you know paid for a lot of the meals, she could have paid and then expensed them. I don't know sure. why we never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> okay, so that was New York, Boston. How long did you stay in New York? I was in New York for, I guess, about 10 years altogether. Two years in Boston, so kind of 12 years in in the, you know, north upper northeast of the U.S. Okay, and um, work brought you as well in the uh, Chicago area? Uh, so yes and no. Um, so we have, we have two kids and... My son, who's the younger of the two, just turned 11. So when I say we've lived here for 11 years, we moved here when he was like two months old. When we knew we were going to have another kid, uh, we started. We we still lived in a small apartment in Brooklyn and knew that we this was the time that we needed to make the move to the suburbs. And mm-hmm. I'm not originally from New York, neither is my wife. So we're looking at you know houses and things in the suburbs around New York and New Jersey or Westchester, places like that, and just weren't really finding anything that was uh, really affordable, to be honest, yeah. <laughs> and um, and or that we liked. And um, I was coming to Chicago for work, so the account I worked on at the time, I had a client that was based here in Chicago. So I came out here one time for a, a day for meetings, and I came out early and sort, was sort of walking around the city. And I called, I called my wife and said, "What, we're all, what about here?" Why don't we move here? Um, because if if you've been if you've been to Chicago, I assume yes. Nope. Oh my nope. gosh! Okay, nope. well, <laughs> we'll we'll fix that when this whole uh, uh, you know when when we're allowed to travel again. <laughs> right. um, but it's very um, you know it's it's very clean for a large city. Uh, I think that's the thing that struck me was you know having lived in New York and there's obviously a certain energy there, but you get to a certain age and you either want you're okay continuing to put up with the sort of noise and grime and all of that, or you're ready for something different. And there's just, you know, Chicago is still a really big city. It's still, you still have access to all the cultural aspects of a big city and obviously major sports teams and great restaurants and all of that. Um, But there's a, there's just a, it's more grounded. I think it's cleaner the sidewalks are wider. It doesn't, you don't feel as jammed in as you do in New York. Okay. And then, and then you can, we, we do live in the suburbs here, but you can live in the suburbs and not feel like you're an hour away from downtown Chicago. If you're still, you know, commuting into the city for work. So it's just, there's an accessibility and an affordability to Chicago that I think 
you know, a lot of people don't necessarily know. And so we kind of just took a leap of faith and we both talked to the companies we worked for at the time and said, you know, could, would you guys be okay if we relocated, you know, and they both found, you know, new roles for us within the company that were based here and moved out here and bought a house and with a yard and all of that. And nice. you know, so our, our kids have grown up here and we settled in and it's been, um, yeah, it paid off. Yeah. And so 10 years in New York, living in New York, th that concept fascinates me. Um, you were living in Brooklyn the entire time? No, uh, I lived all over. It's another aspect I feel like of New York in your 20s is you move a lot. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so when I first moved out there, I lived by myself uh, at an apartment in Queens. Uh -huh. um, then, then moved to Brooklyn for a bit. Then we went to Boston. When we came back, we lived in Manhattan for a few years. Uh, and then we actually Expensive. bought. Uh, oh, yes. And then we and then we bought an apartment in oh, Brooklyn. Wow. Also okay. expensive. Yeah. <laughs> um, I shudder to think what that apartment would be worth now if we had actually been able to hang on to it. Yeah. Um, what 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 year are we talking about? So this is all happening in like 2005, 2006. Okay. Yep. When we bought our place. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, moved out here in 2010. So So yeah, kind of lived all over New York, um, all over the city, and yeah, it's um, it's it's not easy, and it's not for everyone, but that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I've um, I mean I've visited New York like five or six times, but I loved it every time. But I I imagine, as you said, that living there takes a lot out of you. It's a, it's like a slow grind in a way. Yeah, it re it really does. I mean, there's you know there's a lot of um, There's a there's a lot of access you have to a lot of things because you live there because it's a you know it's a big city and there's just tons of things going on at all hours of the night and you know when you're younger and single and th those kinds of things are great you know yeah. being able to stay out at a bar till the sun comes up or <laughs> uh, something like that and but you get to a certain point where I think it it sort of bifurcates there are, there are people who They're in for the long haul. It brings them a certain energy to, you know, get jammed into a subway car and, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. see garbage piled up on the streets. I don't know. I feel like they, it, it, for them, it adds character, I guess. Um, for other people, I think, you know, they're like, okay, this was fun while it lasted, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get out and do something. New. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're you're due for uh, something new, something uh, something easier on, on your nerves, probably. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> But it makes sense, though. I suppose that for advertising, New York is the place to be, pretty much. Yeah, it's still really it it still really is. I mean, it's it's the um, it's the epicenter of advertising, uh, really globally. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the major all the major ad agencies still have their primary headquarters in. Uh, in New York, there's a there's there's a handful that are based here in Chicago. Okay, um, and almost every major company has you know an office here in Chicago. Um, increasingly, you know, Asia's a expanding market, and so you know the Singapore is also a hot spot. Um, certainly, London, but still, New York. Everybody, everybody still gravitates to New York, and I feel like everyone that has a long term career in advertising has done a stint for at least some amount of time in New York. Okay. Yeah. And what do you wish you knew 
before moving to New York, now that you know it? <laughs> uh, this is a deep question for yeah. a Wednesday night, right? <laughs> Man, that's good. Um, what do I wish I knew? Um, I guess... Uh, we are taping this on a Wednesday night, by the way, just so <laughs> yeah. you guys don't uh, start wondering uh, what the hell is he talking about. <laughs> right. That's really, that's a great question. I wish I knew, um, wow, I guess I wish I knew how, um, I wish I known actually how easy things are. You know, it seems, it, I've sort of, I've, I've made it sound like it's just, you know, it is a grind. I don't, you know, I don't uh-huh. want to take away from that, but I think there is actually, I would say for anyone, for anyone out there listening, who's thinking about doing it, um, it's actually easier than you think. I, I think that's something that would have been good to know going in is that um, you very easily figure out where the subway goes and you easily figure out, you know, the street system and where, you know, what an address means and how to get to that mm. place. And you, you very quickly figure out, like you kind of meet the people in your neighborhood that run the local grocery store or, you know, uh, liquor store, yes, <laughs> or, of course. Uh, the local diner and all that. And, and, and like, it is, it's very much a collection of smaller neighborhoods that make up this massive city. I mean, I think a lot of cities are like that, but definitely I think New York feels very intimidating when you look at it from the outside, but I think it's actually easier. It's easier than a lot of people think. So I think it would have been, it would have been good to know that and feel sort of less intimidated going in. Well, I mean, Raleigh isn't, it's not a small town, you know? It's, it's not. Although when I, when I grew up, it was, um, oh, I mean, really? it's exploded. Really? Um, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Over the last, you know, 25 years. I mean, really around the time that I moved away is when it, the population really exploded. And, um, what kind of numbers when I was growing up, I'd say like the population of the city itself was was probably less than a hundred thousand people okay now the the metro area is definitely more than a million i, I wouldn't even oh. want to guess but um you know i do still get back there and it's it's still it blows my mind like how much there is there now and how spread out it is and you know i go back and i still drive on the same roads that i'm used to driving on yet they've built all these new highways that probably get you to places faster but i don't know how to I don't know how those work. I just use, you know, I go the way I remember driving when I was, when I was growing up. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a change. Um, mm. it's, it's definitely was different going from, from one to the other. And, uh, overall, did you enjoy your time in uh, Boston? Yeah, we did. Boston's interesting. Um, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful city. Mm-hmm. It's obviously, you know, from a historical aspect, amazing, Um, it's also, you know, New England itself is a a really nice part of the U S and that's true. Having access to, you know, to Maine and New Hampshire and places like that was really nice. I think what's interesting about Boston though, that this is a question. What did I wish I knew about Boston before? Yes. Yeah, yeah, please. (laughs) Is that it's very provincial. Okay. And, And what I mean is if you're not from there, you're an outsider. Okay. If you didn't grow up there or you didn't go to school there, if you move there in your late 30s, people you will make friends, people will be nice to you. It's not as though you you're treated as an outcast, but you're never really one of them. Huh. And and that's 
that's fine. I mean, it's interesting. It's just sort of an interesting aspect of the city. So it's not as though we ever felt um, like we shouldn't be there, but we definitely felt like we're not going to be here forever. You never really felt uh, at home, quote unquote. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we enjoyed a lot of aspects of it. And, you know, as I said, we got married there. So mm -hmm. that's still, you know, very much, you know, a part of our life. But you just never really felt like you were on stable ground <laughs> yeah. when you were there. So um, it's a, yeah, it's interesting. Very, you know, really small town in, in that way. And um, your wife, is she from th that uh, area? No, she's from Pittsburgh, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we, yeah, we sort of somehow managed to, you know, come from Pittsburgh and Raleigh and meet in New York. And so we've, yeah, we've, we've covered, like we've covered sort of the Eastern sector of the U.S. at this point. <laughs> a lot of, a uh, lot of big cities in there. I was going to ask, I don't remember who said that. I think it was Bill Burr, actually, who said Boston is like a racist San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to commit to that statement, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you know, something to think about, I guess. <laughs> yeah, though, it's, uh, it's interesting. No, I, it's, that's somewhat accurate. That is somewhat accurate. <laughs> uh, I've been to Boston only once and I, I mean it's a gorgeous uh, yeah. you're right it's a gorgeous city honestly I mean living there I'm not not sure <laughs> sports rivalries are a big thing you know Montreal yeah. Boston that's not uh, there's no love lost uh, there okay so you've never lived in the western part of the US no you don't intend to either <laughs> I mean I, I I wouldn't be opposed to it I I do like um I love California, love, you know, both the San Francisco area and, and, and LA as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we try to, we try to travel out there on, you know, a fairly regular basis. I'd say, I feel like I, I go there almost once a year. I mean, obviously I haven't been there um, in a while, <laughs> yes. um, but uh, you know, we've, we've talked about maybe that's where we'll end up after the kids go to school, we could move West Um, certainly, you know, go somewhere that has a little better weather. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's not, I'd say there's not many parts of, I'm not super well-traveled in the U S but I feel like I've been to, you know, all four corners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's not, there's, I haven't really been anywhere that I was particularly that I wasn't fond of. So, okay. um, yeah, I mean, I'd, uh, I love California, you know, and it's, it's helpful to have friends out there as well. So when you, you go out, you can you don't have to feel like you, you have to get around and see all the sites, right? You can actually just spend time uh, visiting with people, you know, that's true. All right. If you don't mind, if we can just switch gears a little bit and uh, talk about sports a little bit. Sure. What would be your top three sports? I assume you're a sports guy because you mentioned going to play hockey a few times during. Uh, yeah. Oh, so it's interesting. I, so I don't play. Okay. I'm not the hockey player. It's my son. I thought you did. Yeah, no, I've, I've been on ice skates maybe once in my life. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, it's my, I'm a hockey dad, ah. um, which is, you know, it's still, it's still a commitment too. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Um, so I'd say that, uh, all right, well, growing up in North Carolina, uh, college basketball is you know, mm -hmm. practically a religion. So, but Even though uh, the big teams were rivals, quote unquote, the, uh, I mean, did you cheer against them or? 
Yeah, what's well, it's interesting. So if you if you grow up in in Raleigh, NC State is in Raleigh. Okay. And then UNC is in Chapel Hill, which is Oh yeah, okay. You know, 20 miles down the road. And then Duke is in Durham, which is 20 yes. miles in, you know, the other way. Yes. <laughs> so you've got these three, you know, major and when I was a kid, they were winning champion they all won championships. Yes. Uh, so it's, it's huge there, but you're definitely, when you're a kid, you're pinned down as to which one are you going to root for? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So it's sort of before you even think about where you might go to college, you're kind of pinned down on, you know, are you, do you root for state? Do you root for Carolina? Do you root for Duke? So it's like a decision you're, you're kind of, uh, you're forced to make very early. And then there's a lot of people who end up going, might go to one of the other schools mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes change their allegiance, but sometimes don't because yeah. it's been with them <laughs> since birth. Um, Appalachian's not a big basketball school. So I didn't really have to, uh, there's never really a time that they're necessarily competing with the, those big three schools. So I never had okay. to, I never really had to make that choice. And you never uh, tried or you never cared enough or cared enough about uh making a choice uh oh no i made the choice when i was a kid for sure okay (laughs) i'm saying Uh, i didn't have to i didn't have to revisit my choice oh okay based on where i went to college no so i i threw in with duke oh okay at an early age um so i was kind of the i at the time that was the weird choice that was like the outlier everyone else picked the other two schools really i went a different direction yep okay um, it's sort of pre, I mean, now, you know, I'm over 50, Patrick. So I, when I was, a, when I was a kid, I started following Duke basketball before Mike Krzyzewski coached there. That's how far back I go. Uh, who, who was the coach before coach? K? Uh, his name was Bill Foster. He was the coach right before, okay. um, right before they hired Krzyzewski. And when they hired him, everyone's like, who? <laughs> no one had ever heard of this guy. It's a weird last name. It was such a weird thing when it happened. Um, and then obviously, you know, he turned into the greatest coach of all time. I haven't followed college basketball in a long time, but didn't he coach at Army before? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Oh, that's yeah. Good. That's... 10 points for me. Woo! Yeah, well done. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, but okay, I got to say, I, I, a quick sidetrack again. Uh, this is horribly rude, but may I ask um, how old you are? Uh, I turned 52 this year. Oh, wow. Okay. I had no idea. I would have guessed a lot lower, honestly. No. Oh, well, thanks. So. <laughs> okay. So Duke, wow, that, that's wild because, I mean, I went in, uh, to college from 92 to 95. Mm-hmm. And even then, Duke were a, a powerhouse yep. already. Yeah. So, I mean, luckily I made a good choice, Uh, although all all the schools have, you know, done well. I mean, NC State, not as much, Um, but I I made the choice and it's, it's paid off over the years, obviously, because (laughs) they're typically very, very good. So that's, that's definitely my number one sport. And then I would say, um, I probably would have said in the past, uh, NFL football. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think that's probably still there, but I do find I watch it less and less. these days, I'm not sure why. Um, I think it's probably just a function of, you know, when I was younger, having a free few hours on a Sunday afternoon was easy to come by. A lot harder to do now when yeah. 
got a family and you're driving somebody back and forth to an ice rink yes. <laughs> a lot of a lot of the time. So, but I do still. Um, it's definitely still uh, still my favorite. And then the third would be. It's funny. So I'm not an athlete, but I do play golf. Okay. And some people would argue golfers are not athletes, and that, <laughs> that's fine. I won't. I won't litigate that here. Um, but I'd say between golf and hockey, those are those are probably my others. So like golf is a. I, I do watch golf, but obviously I play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then hockey, although hockey's sort of come recently, mm-hmm. you know, within the last ten years, certainly moving to Chicago right when the Blackhawks were winning helped. Good timing. <laughs> and then uh, you know, and then having a son pick up the game makes you a fan as well. So that's probably it. And um, did the uh, Carolina Panthers did they become your favorite NFL team? Were you when you were uh, uh, an NFL fan? No, I my sports fandom is all over the place. So I'm a, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. Okay. Um, I couldn't tell you how. I obviously <laughs> okay. I didn't grow up anywhere near Wisconsin, and now I live in Chicago, which is obviously the big rival. So yeah, um, Bears country. Yeah. Um, well, they suck though. So exactly, you know. <laughs> I, I I can sort of uh, I can I can hold that over people's heads. Yes. And and Green Bay is only about a three and a half hour drive from here. Okay. So I have been up and and gone to games there. So yeah, I you know when when the Panthers came along, and, and I think this happened with a lot of people, they already had they'd already been rooting for a team. So I think a lot of their a lot of their fans came from people who were younger that hadn't necessarily you know started to root for another team already. True. But if if we can go back to hockey, this is this is interesting because now I'm curious, how did your son pick up the sport if you didn't push him into it? How did that happen? So it's uh I I there's a couple a couple things. One is so he's you know we moved here in 2010. Mm-hmm. In 2010, the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup. Yes, they did. So Immediately, now he was obviously too young at that point, but they yes. also won, you know, they won two more. Yeah, they won in 2013 and 2015. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's right. So um, hockey has always been big in Illinois. It's a big youth hockey state. Okay. Um, so there's just, it's a strong, every town has its own hockey league and it's it's already kind of big. And then... When the Blackhawks started winning, interest spiked up. So it was one of those things where I think when he was maybe four, um, we you know signed him up for ice skating lessons just because it, it seemed like everybody around here skated. And so wh- whether he actually ended up playing hockey or not, we thought you know this would just be good if he knew how to skate because mm-hmm. he'll probably have friends who skate, and so he'll just be able to to do that. Um, one of the things that our, uh, the town I live in does the local hockey league every year hosts a learn to play hockey night where the local high school team will be at the rink and they're, you know, wearing their gear and then kids, little kids just show up and like, they get to go on the ice and skate around with the, with the high school kids and see what they think. And so I took them. So yeah, hey, would you want to try this? Sure, we'll, we'll go try it. And it's just funny to think about now because he went and he wore figure skates like that we rented from the rink. Okay, and then you had to wear a helmet, so he wore his bike helmet. Okay, I mean a lot a lot of kids did, but it's just you know you had to have some 
some kind of helmet on and he loved it. I still have videos of him. Uh, it's funny because a lot of kids like wanted to line up and shoot on the goal. Mm-hmm. He went off to the side and was passing back and forth with one of the high school kids and just like was getting the biggest kick out of that. And I think they finally had to coax him over to the line to <laughs> like shoot a goal. Um, you know, fast forward, he's a defenseman and he's never scored. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> like, and it was f- foreshadowing that, you know, he's, he's going to be a, he's going to be a defender and a passer, but not a scorer. Um, and he just, you know, he went and he, and he liked it. So even though it what I, I never pushed it and he just, he wanted to do it. And so we did, you know, the sort of house league for a while and he still liked it. And we started doing travel and, you know, now he's. Like now we're, you know, we're full on traveled, like going all over. Uh, we've played in Canada. Oh, okay. Um, two years ago, uh, did a, did a trip to Sarnia in Ontario and, and played in a tournament there. And, uh, it's the OHL, right? Yes. Um, as a team in Sarnia. So they had a, yes, the sting, right. So they had a game, they had a game while we were there. So the, all the kids got to go on the ice uh, at halftime and like, you know, skate around with their, um, with their warmups on. And so, yeah, that was, that was fun. We've gotten, we've gotten to do a lot of fun things because of it. I'm going to be a real asshole here yep. and tell you it's not halftime in hockey. It's intermission. <laughs> oh, geez. I can't believe I, I know that too. Patrick. I, I can't know. believe I just said that. <laughs> That's okay. I couldn't, couldn't help uh, myself. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, okay. It was intermission between first and second period. Yes. <laughs> uh, that was, you know what? You're, I deserve that. I deserve it. Uh, no, I mean, I'm just giving you. <laughs> as many hockey games as I've seen, I like, I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> but uh, so that's pretty cool that he still likes it. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, I think the older he gets, the tougher, it, the tougher it gets, obviously. I mean, they, um, he's a year away from checking. So we'll see how that goes. Th- yeah. That was my next question. No checking yet, but he's a year away from it. Does he have the size? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He'll be fine. And what I've told him is that, you know, he's a defender, so he's going to be hitting more than getting hit. Defenseman. I know. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just giving you shit. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> I'm just, I'm digging this hole deeper. Let's see what else, you know, when he, when he score, you know, hopefully when he scores his first home run yeah. uh, on the ice by shooting it into the bucket. <laughs> and then the extra point. That's right. Oh yeah. He's definitely going to go for the extra point. Hopefully he doesn't get a yellow card. <laughs> that is the only way he ever shows up on the stat sheet is, you know, two for tripping. nice for our listeners who are not into sports sorry that was a lot of uh, sports talk but if we can rewind a little bit and go back to north carolina sure and what did you major in in uh, college Uh, i majored in broadcast communications okay so i um studied a lot of you know radio and television production and copywriting and just basically everything everything related to uh radio and tv broadcasting did you have a, a clear uh, goal as to what you wanted to do afterwards? At the time, I wanted, I did want to go work in radio. You know, I thought what I wanted to do was end up being an, an announcer, a DJ, whatever, at at a radio station. Start off in small market, work my way up, end up in New York or Chicago someday. And then, you know, some of the people I knew who were older who graduated before me did that, and 
a year in, they all said, this isn't really that great. And I, I think also there was, it hadn't happened yet, but certainly what what's happened with satellite radio mm. and companies like Clear Channel who bought up tons of radio stations and yeah. and basically gotten rid of a lot of live announcers um, and, and go to just pre-recorded um, it was, it, it become kind of clear that it was not going to be, there was going to be an elite level of people that kind of made it and were able to turn it into a long-term career. And I just didn't, I, w- I wasn't up for doing that anymore. And, and honestly, by the time I graduated, I, I enjoyed the work, but it was not as interesting to me as it was when I first started college. I think that's, I think that happens to a lot of people, you know, they, they kind of start out, they major in something. And by the time they graduate, they're like, eh. I don't know if that's really what I want to do. Yeah. You decided young what you want to major in mm-hmm. anyway. So, you know, there's plenty of time for you, for you to change your mind. Right. And for the industry to change as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, it's, it is comp- like, I can't, I can't imagine. I don't know. I don't know if people actually, I mean, I guess people still major in broadcast communications, but I don't know that people aspire yeah. to work in radio the way they used to. I can't, I can't imagine they do. That's true. And I mean, you went from a uh, potentially an industry who went under radical changes to another industry that went under radical I changes did. as well. So <laughs> there did. was no way of avoiding it. <laughs> no, there wasn't. There wasn't. <laughs> so um, what would you say is the one change that turned the advertising um, sector on its head in the past, uh, let's say the past uh, 10 years? I don't know that there's one event necessarily. I will say the the biggest change though has been the advent of data as part of, and and I mean, digital data Mm -hmm. being part of um, sort of part of the mix. So, you know, for, for years and years and years, Advertising was very was very much based. So there was certainly data and analysis you would do and understand your audience and and look at research and and things like that. But demographics and all that, absolutely. But there was still a lot of like we would always say that advertising is this this sort of perfect marriage of art and science. Okay, um, and there was still a lot of and, and there still is a lot of art in advertising. Not not just in actually the creative, you know, creating the ad, but even in art in how you make decisions on where to place ads and the sort of sponsorships you might create with a media company and things along those lines. But I think the advent of digital data has commoditized a lot of what we do. And it's taken a lot of the art out of the decision making and made it much more analytical and scientific. And for some advertisers, that's been beneficial. And it's also, it's sort of changed into when I got hired in advertising, you know, the fact that I had maybe more of a creative brain was a benefit. Now I think, is that left brain? That's left brain, right? I think so. Right. Now I'm not sure. (laughs) Well, okay. Let's let's assume it is. Now they want more right brain people. Okay. Because now it's actually... They want people that understand how to analyze data and, and pull out insight from that. And, you know, I can still do that, but I'm not a data scientist. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's really been that. It's created a lot of different ways of, of buying media, mm-hmm. you know, so it's less about, um, it used to be very relationship driven, 
you know, you'd get to know your local television rep really well, and you'd sit down and maybe you go to lunch and you get to know each other and then you'd negotiate a deal and you'd still do the right thing, right? It's not like mm-hmm. a under the table kind of thing. It's become a lot more transactional. So it's less relationship driven and more transactional. And it's more about, we're going to put this ad in the market and then we're going to analyze it very quickly. And then we're going to stop it if it's not working right away, you know, rather okay. than letting something kind of, you know, run and grow, grow and figure out. So okay. um, that, that's been the biggest thing. It's just been the, the sort of, actually, I'd say the catalyst for that, now that I think about it, was the iPhone. Okay. That was, that was the turning point when all of a sudden everyone had a computer in their pocket that had an incredible amount of data about them and their, their behavior and their, and their shopping. <laughs> like everything you do is contained in this little thing that you carry around in your pocket. Now that accelerated the availability of data and accelerated this, this change in the business. So that was probably the linchpin. Okay. And would you say with your personality, would you say that your job is um, easier now than it was? uh, No. Oh, no. It's probably more complicated, right? It's much, it's much more complicated. There's just, there's a lot more, you used to be able to make gut decisions. You can't really do that anymore. There's like two, there's too many things. It's, it's, you know, the cliche is uh, analysis paralysis, right? Yes. Uh, it, there's, there's almost too much. And so it makes you question sometimes, you know, you've like, I've made this decision. Oh, I've just seen this other piece of data. Okay. Maybe I need to rethink this. And so now you spend twice as much time coming to the same conclusion. So it's definitely made it more complicated. And I guess also that advertising strategies, they, they are probably a lot shorter now. Yes. You have to, you know, go with the wind all the time, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, brand, brands used to have much, much more long-term strategy, a way to build an audience, to you know, build a brand, build this relationship with with their customers. Now it's very much like, let's get this done. Let's you know, have people click on this, have people buy this. Let's let's do this right. And if they don't, let's do something else and let's do it quickly. Yeah, it's different. It's it's changed quite a bit. What would you say? I mean, I, I hope you don't mind that we talk about your line of work because it, it fascinates me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. What do you think is the one thing about your job that A, people don't know, and B, you wish people knew? Uh, I'd, I'd say the one thing that people maybe don't know is that you have to be really good at math. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think I didn't know that when I started. I think, you know, you, you watch Mad Men and, you know, yeah. <laughs> I think people just sort of come, but you have to, the amount of time I actually spend making spreadsheets is okay. is pretty high. And so you don't have people do that for you. You do it yourself. Well, it's a, it's a combination. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's one of those, you, you sort of, you start out and you learn how to do all of it and then you kind of keep doing it because you just have a comfort level sometimes with the way you, you do things. But okay. um, it's, I think that's something people don't necessarily know is that you do have to be really good at math. So even though I think it used to be about finding left brain people, you still needed to have left brain people that were good at math. Okay. Um, I guess the thing that the thing I wish people knew is that I guess 
that we know a lot about you. We know more <laughs> about not, not necessarily you, Patrick, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but we know a lot more about people than maybe they realize we do. And I think people understand that more mm-hmm. maybe than they used to, because there's been a lot of legislation and, and, and regulation about data privacy and things like that. But it's, and none of this is done in a, in a nefarious way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just people use computers and that tracks data and we anonymize it. So we don't know who you are, but we can group you with other people that behave the same way you do about certain things. And then we can make a decision to target that segment of people. And, but we know a lot about people. So, <laughs> <laughs> but okay. So now uh, everything is uh, anonymous, like you mentioned, but mm-hmm. did you, I don't want to pick nits or anything like that, but did you, ever have any um, quote-unquote ethical conflicts because of that at any point or were you ever asked to go a step too far or when it came to privacy or anything like that or it just doesn't um, not apply but it's just not possible with the data you have well i think it it does it just doesn't i I don't want to speak for the industry, but just from my experience, it, it really doesn't happen because we would be cutting our own throats if we did that. Um, okay. I think we, as as an industry, I, I will say we behave responsibly uh, when it comes to how we use that stuff. You know, and I, I'd say like one one example would be, you know, for healthcare, we do not know about conditions people have. You know, that's that's something that we we don't want to know. Um, it doesn't get tracked. There's no way for us to know that. So, you know, that's just, that's something you, you stay away from. But yeah, I think, I think in general, we know that like our survival as an industry and, and, and then also the media companies that we do business with understand that their survival as a, as an entity and having people use their website or watch their TV channel or whatever is dependent on having trust you know, or having a, a certain level of reliability and trust from consumers. So yeah, no, nothing, uh, luckily, nothing like that's ever come up. And there's not really a corner you could cut anyway that I think is going to make a difference. Okay. But uh, yeah, and then the, there is, and that's another conversation, not for Wednesday night, but another <laughs> whole conversation about the ethics of uh, advertising. Yeah. But that's that's Okay. All right. So yeah. Um, okay. So we can close that parentheses if uh, if that's sure. okay with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can uh, switch gears and talk about music a little bit. Yeah. Um, okay. First, can you can you play musical instruments? No. Uh, do you know that you don't have the talent for it, or never had a chance to explore it, or? Um. I. You know. I took piano lessons for a short amount of time when I was younger. Um, we had a piano in the house for years, but I never really, I, I never really played. Um, mm-hmm. lessons didn't last long. There are times when I think, oh, it, like over the past year would have been a good time to learn how to play guitar or something like that. That's true. Um, I guess I just never, I like listening to it, but I, there's never been, I've never really had a part of me that said, I want to, I want to also be a part of it. You know, I just like sports. Yeah, kind of. Pretty much. <laughs> um, um, are your parents or, or your uh, brothers and sisters, do they have a talent for music? Or My my dad plays guitar. Um, so, you know, I definitely, and that's, that's like the funniest thing is like I grew up in a house 
<laughs> with someone who played guitar, and yet I never said, can I try? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, just for whatever reason, never um, just never filtered down to me. It just, I, yeah, I mean, I love love music, love lots of different kinds of music, listen to so many different things. And it just mm-hmm. has never been something that I felt like, you know, I'm going to, I want to learn how to play and see if I can make my own. Uh, do you have any brother or sisters? I have a younger sister who doesn't, doesn't play, play doesn't either. Play either. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Then what would be your top three bands? So I would, uh, um, I think about it this way. I had my first love, who were the Beatles, mm-hmm. as as is true with a lot of people. They were the first band that I really connected with and just devoured everything you know they ever did, and and still to this day, just incredibly influential, you know, to me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'd say you know the the kind of cool girlfriend you get in high school or college. That was for me. That was REM. Okay. Um, <laughs> They, you know, I think, I think with REM, I sort of saw how first off they're from the South. So there's definitely, you know, that, that connective tissue of someone who grew up in the South and and hearing this band that, that very much in their early years, especially traded on a lot of the culture and mythology of the South. And, um, but also just had just this, this quality about them that it felt like they were they were taking something to like this new place and they opened up a lot of, you know, a, a lot of different things for me to listen to, you know, you could call it sort of early alternative in a way, but it sort of opened this door to, um, I might check out the cure or I might check out, yeah. you know, Jesus and Mary chain or, you know, like all, like it just sort of opened these doors. Mm-hmm. Um, but then ultimately I found my soulmate and that's Elvis Costello. Okay. Uh, so my, you know, far and away, you know, my, my favorite musician, seen him in concert more than any, anyone else. There, there is a, uh, a literature to his music that really connects with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love lyrics, you know, I post a lyric, lyric every day on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and you know, he just, the way he writes, it just, it blows me away still. And he's, uh, he's still vital. And there's something about him that, uh, I just have this deep connection with. So Um, those are the three. Nice. This is a, <clears throat> this is a new question, and this is not part of the list. Okay. What was the first song that blew your mind? Um, I would say probably "You've Got to Hide Your Love Away" by the Beatles. I started listening to the Beatles, and obviously the hits and everything you knew. And then I think I I came to that song on it's on it's on Help, and it, I think I came to that song in the album. And there's you know it's sort of this acoustic and it's, it's very confessional in a way that was very different from the sort of, I want to hold your hand kind of thing. And, you know, it's again, that, that was sort of like that opened the door. Cause then you'd, you'd read and you'd say, Oh, he was very influenced by Bob Dylan when he wrote that. And then you say, Oh, well, Bob Dylan, yeah, I'm going to check that out. And so <laughs> um, all of a sudden that opened up this whole, you know, talk about lyrics Um But yeah, I think that's that's probably the first time I heard a song, and and this would have been when I was nine or ten years old, where I was like, "Oh my god, you can you can do that!" You know, it's not just it's not just okay. We've got guitars and a drum, and you know, we make this. It, it's like wow, he's like saying something. This is this is really cool. Nice. Just uh, 
another quick sidetrack. My mm-hmm. next question was travel? Question mark? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, travel? Do I? Do I yes. travel? <laughs> yes. I wish I was I wish I was more well traveled. Um I uh it's not something I ever really did growing up. But just wasn't, you know, we we would, you know, visit grandparents uh, who lived, you know, a less than a five hour drive. Um, so it's definitely something I I took to when I got older. Um, I, you know, I've not traveled many places. I've, you know, been been to London and Paris and uh, and Barcelona, and uh, we've taken our kids overseas once, and that was a great experience. Um, and then uh, the one uh, I've been to Canada several times. Mm-hmm. Um, Quebec City was incredible. Oh, nice! Um, Glad to hear that. <laughs> uh, you know, someone said to me the other day, they're like, "I heard it's like going to Europe, but it's a shorter flight." And I'm like, "It's very, very close." I mean, you definitely hear more French there, I think, than you would <laughs> yes. hear in Montreal. Um, and we went in the winter and it was just, you know, the, ah, nice. the, the snow and everything and the hotel and that just the scenery yes. by the river was incredible. Um, and then the, the place I've been to multiple times. And if I could go once a year, I would is Ireland. Ah, I've never been. Oh my gosh. It is. Um, again, it's like, I, you know, I, I have family from there as everyone in the U S says, but <laughs> I do have, you know, family a few generations back from there and I know where they came from. And so I've, I've been back to that town, but there's, uh, there's an energy that for me, when I go there that I have never felt anywhere else. Um, oh, wow. Okay. I just, it's sort of, it's a place for me when I step off the plane, I immediately feel like I, I belong here. Like I am completely comfortable in my skin here. I I've driven there on the you know other side of the road, <laughs> yes. and I it's, for me it's just um, it's amazing. So I actually when I turned fifty two years ago, mm-hmm. the big trip I did to celebrate was uh, was I did a a long trip to Ireland with some buddies to play golf, and that was nice. uh, an absolute dream trip for me that. I'm still amazed we pulled off and it's, it was just incredible. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so I guess you landed in Dublin probably? Uh, no, no. Flew into Shannon. Oh, okay. Yep. And yeah. and then did you like uh, go around the country and, uh, or you focused on one region or? We spent most of the trip in the Southwest. So counties Kerry and Cork. Okay. Um, but then we did eventually make our way up to um, all the way up to Donegal, which is at the very top of the island, just outside of Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. Then we went into Northern Ireland for a day uh, because we were actually there the week of the Open Championship. Nice when it was hosted in Northern Ireland for the first time in like sixty years. So we had tickets and went, which is amazing. Jesus. Um, <laughs> and then worked our way back to Dublin and, and departed from Dublin. So we did about three quarters circumference of the island while we were there. Okay. Yeah. And did you go to, a, um, isn't there a part of the um, island who speaks mostly Gaelic? Yeah, there's part. So Don, Donegal is, um, it's definitely highly spoken up there. Okay. Um, there's parts of the sort of, some of the outer reaches of Kerry 
um, is, is still very uh, heavy Irish speakers. Uh, every sign in the country is bilingual. In the entire country? In the entire country. Because okay, it's I didn't still, know that. It's officially bilingual. Okay. Um, so every street sign, you see the name of the town in English, and then you also see the name of the town in Irish. So that's that's pretty cool. Nice. And then all, you know, the speed limit, the, you know, every everything is... Everything is bilingual, but yes, they're they're still. I mean, it's 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 decreased mm-hmm. quite a bit, but there are still a few pockets where, yeah, they don't really speak English. That has to be quite something. Uh, yeah, I've never been. It's uh, it's on my list, but uh, yep, yeah. highly highly recommended. I might ask you for a few uh, addresses if if I go. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I I might go with you. That's how much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, what what was your favorite part of the uh, of Ireland? Uh, it's definitely, uh, I mean, just so Kerry County Kerry, which is on the in the southwest of Ireland, um, has two peninsulas that that sort of jut out um, into the Atlantic, and on one of them, the Dingle Peninsula. Uh, if you go all the way out to the very end. You're sort of the you know the easternmost part of Europe, I think. Although I guess technically Iceland would be farther east. Uh, maybe I don't know. It's, it's maybe it just depends on the longitudinal lines. And uh, do you do you mean west? You said east. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess face. It's the closest to the east coast. That's what I had in my mind. Okay, so yes, the farthest west. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, right. So there's the Dingle Peninsula, and then there's the Ring of Kerry, which is the peninsula just below it. Okay, and and both of them, if you drive out onto them, first off, the roads get very narrow, uh, so you have if you're driving, you got to be very careful because a big truck could come around the corner, okay. and um, and then there's you know fields and sheep as far as the eye can see, um, but there's definitely you know it's there it's mountainous and you know there's there's cliffs that go straight into the sea and just the scenery is mind blowing. It's just, it's something to see. I mean, you, you'll hear a lot of people talk about driving the ring of Kerry. Okay. Um, and one of the golf courses we played was out that way. Uh, and it was just stunning. You stepped onto this golf course and you're, you're just like, how can I be on the same planet as other you know, <laughs> places I've traveled? Cause it just, it's just a, like, I still, I think about it and I still just, you know, I get chills thinking about how, wow. how beautiful it was. So yeah, definitely. That that area of Ireland to me is is uh, it's just it's beautiful. All right, okay. You've I'll... never seen green the way you see it there. Like, okay. You don't know the color green <laughs> until oh you go God. to Ireland. <laughs> okay, <laughs> noted. I'll uh, I'll keep that in mind <laughs> for <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> I'm I'm glad I asked that question. Actually, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. So okay, so if we can switch back to music, if if that's okay, um, I mean, I could ask a few a few questions about sports, if you don't mind, if you're good it's on up time. To you. Okay, I can ask. Doesn't cost anything. What would be your favorite sports movie? Um. Oh gosh. See, I told myself I wasn't going to think about this any of these questions <laughs> in advance because I wanted to be I wanted to be fresh. Uh, you know, it's, it's a silly, it's probably Caddyshack. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that works. I mean, you know, it, it's not an, it's not an Oscar winner, but 
when you play golf, it's, it's, it's quotable. I mean, it's it like, is. you know, it's four hours on a golf course and, you know, there are going to be several Caddyshack quotes that come out um, during the round. So it's, yeah, it's Caddyshack. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about books? What would be your favorite sports book? Could be a biography, could be whatever. Uh, there's a book called, uh, there's a book called loose balls. Okay. Uh, that's about the ABA, the American basketball. Oh, so yeah. Okay. It's sort of an oral history. Um, and they talked to just about everyone that was involved with the ABA. So, you know, Julius Irving played in the ABA and mm -hmm. Bob Costas was, you know, got his start announcing for an ABA team. It, it's just, it's fascinating because for about, 10 years, I think it was around. It was this very freewheeling, you know, barnstorming kind of environment where the NBA was sort of the, the old stodgy establishment. And the ABA came along and, you know, ultimately four of the teams were absorbed into the NBA. Yes. Um, but it's, it's interesting too, because it, ha it, it happened in, in this, you know, the kind of early to mid seventies when there was also, in parallel, a lot of racial justice, you know, going on and, and civil rights. And, and the ABA was, was much more black than the NBA. And, and the okay. game, the game that they were promoting was much like slam dunks and fast breaks. And it was, you know, NBA back then was still very set plays and, you know, motion and blah, 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 and all this. And so the, the ABA really, sort of made basketball, I think a lot more, uh, just, just a faster paced, better sport. Um, and so it's just, it's fascinating reading this because none of the teams were ever super financially successful and, mm -hmm. you know, teams moved and you know, guys were folded. getting paychecks folded. Yeah. <laughs> the best story though, um, I, you may have heard this, but the most successful franchise was called the Kentucky Colonels. Okay. And they won a lot of championships. And when the time came to merge with the NBA, they were not one of the teams that merged. Instead, they opted to get a percentage of the NBA's television revenue in perpetuity. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, 45 years later, the owners of that team, and you think about how big the NBA has gotten over that time and what their television, <laughs> the, the contracts that they get from, you know, TNT and, and, and ESPN and everyone, they made a, they continue to make a fortune. So it's basically like they get a, uh, I don't even know what the percentage, it doesn't matter, but they still get for doing nothing, <laughs> nice. for folding their team, they still get a check every year from the NBA that's just increased over time. I'm sure they've tried to do something about that over the years, but um, that's fascinating. So loose balls. That's amazing. And do you uh, remember the author? Uh, I, I don't, but I feel like it's someone that's has written several sports books. Um, I could, uh, I could look it up. Yeah. I was just thinking I should book. do the same. But I, I didn't know about that story. It's, it's amazing. Uh, Terry Pluto. Yes. Yeah, Terry name. Pluto. Yes. And um, just to uh, refresh my memory, which uh, which teams merged uh, with the NBA? Uh, the 76ers, I think? No. Uh, oh, the okay. Nets, sorry. The Nets. Oh, okay. 
the Nets, uh, the Pacers, the Spurs, and the Nuggets. Okay. All right. <laughs> Ten points for me. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well deserved. <laughs> well done. <laughs> awesome. Because um, you mentioned uh, Julius Irving. He, he didn't always play for the Sixers, right? No, he played for the Nets. Oh, okay, okay. That's yeah. why. Okay, that's why. Uh, I, I and he played for a few up. other teams, but he he sort of became a superstar um, playing for the Nets. Ah, okay, got it. And then and then actually, when they merged, he was traded to the 76ers. So he never played for the Nets in the NBA after they joined the NBA. Ah, okay, yeah. okay, got it. All right, okay. So we can switch back to music now. Then same question, but with music. What is your favorite music movie? Uh, I think it's, um, oh, uh, it's the kids are all right. The who documentary, um, that came out in 1979. I think it was right after Keith Moon died. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I watched that a lot growing up and it's, you know, it's a, uh, the who's not in the top three, but they're certainly in the top 10, uh, bands for me. But that, that documentary is just, you know, there's no, it's not a narrative story. Mm -hmm. it's uh just a lot of different you know footage and it kind of bounces back and forth you know from late period to early period and back and um but somehow it still tells the story of the who and it's just um it's it's great so that's that's the one okay and can you think of one music movie that you absolutely hated One that comes to mind, and and uh, I hesitate to say this, but <laughs> so I'm not a I'm not a big Rush fan. I'm not a Rush hater. <laughs> okay. Uh, I do, I do. They are they they can be polarizing, but I'm not. I've actually I, I think I've listened to them a bit more recently because I've kind of gone back and I'm I'm sort of. But I watched the uh, what is it the is it the on the lighted stage beyond the lighted stage beyond the lighted yes. stage I was just sort of disappointed I wanted to learn more and I don't think I learned as much as I wanted to and I I think I almost wanted I want to say it's because they were very involved in it I'd, I'd actually be interested in a a rush do an unauthorized rush yeah. documentary no yeah I uh, I get what you mean and I mean I liked it but I agree with you that there were definitely some aspects that they could have dig deeper. Yeah. For sure. For example, what really happened with the first drummer? Yeah. Like, you know, they, they stayed kind of vague about it. Mm -hmm. Like he had the diabetes, I think he maybe health uh, trouble, but we don't know for sure if it's the real reason. Right. And uh, there is a point during the movie that uh, Neil Peart went to see some kind of, um, oh God, I cannot think of his name, but like some kind of a drumming guru right. to like uh, reinvent himself, his yes. style or something. And that segment, um, I guess it was important to Neil Peart, but as a viewer, I didn't really get uh, that much out of that part. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But uh yeah. So I mean I you know I'd say I I I learned some things and it was it was interesting but I think I was just hoping for like I I was I, I when I sat down I was thinking to myself this would be a good opportunity for me to to pivot and think a little differently about this band and it mm -hmm. it didn't help. So mm. I, I didn't hate it, I just was disappointed. Okay. 
yeah, no, that's uh, understandable for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so what about books? What is your favorite book related to music? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know the answer to this, Patrick. I mean, it's oh, sort yeah. of a running joke on the name <laughs> that tune game, yes. <laughs> but it is, I, it is my favorite. So it's the um, it's the Billboard book of number one hits. <laughs> yes. um, it's been updated, you know, numerous times over the years, and basically, it's. It's a book made up of, it tells the story of every song that's ever hit number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Um, and it's one one page per song. So it's like a very short okay. snippet story. But I, I've just always been, I've been fascinated about the all of the stars that have to align for a song to make it to number one. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really interesting because it's, you know, you have people like the Beatles who hit number one multiple times. And, and so like, it's, it's clear that that's a thing that's going to happen. Yes. Um, and then you have these other bands, you know, these one hit wonders. Um, and it's kind of fascinating how they caught lightning in a bottle on this one week or, or multiple weeks. Um, so yeah, it's, I know it's a running, but I do, I love, I love that book. I've read, I've read it many times and obviously it comes in handy whenever you're playing a music trivia game, (laughs) (laughs) but it gets bigger and bigger every year. Yeah. They actually haven't updated. I don't know if the author maybe has, has gotten too old to update it or if the songs that hit number one these days maybe aren't as interesting. <laughs> that could just be the old guy talking, you know, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's been, I have the latest edition and it only runs through like 2005. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it it's really, it's obviously due for an update. It's been a while. So I think maybe it's just, you know, it, that's, that's it. They're not going to make any more run its course. Yeah. Sort of. All right. Um, okay. So next question. What was your first concert? Uh, Kiss. All right. <laughs> my, uh, when I was 10 years old, I was actually my 10th birthday present. My mom took me to see Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. My mom is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was in, uh, that was in Raleigh, I guess. Uh, it was in Greensboro, which is, you know, oh, about, yeah. about an hour or so, uh, west, west of Raleigh. I guess you you remember it really well, probably. My memory can be really bad for you know <laughs> things that happened that that long ago. There's there's aspects of it I remember, and then you know now that you can go online and look up old set lists, mm-hmm. I've done that, and I'm like, oh, okay, yes, I remember, and then that was that was a song where you know Gene blew the fire, and <laughs> okay. that was you know the song where uh, I don't know maybe Ace flew out into the audience. I don't even, I don't remember for sure, but uh, yes, I do. Um, I, I still remember aspects of it. So yeah, that was, that was a very cool mom moment. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> true. Uh, question four, what is your favorite or most memorable concert? Uh, one of the times I saw Elvis Costello, it was at the Beacon theater in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, he was playing with uh, the imposters. So this was, in like 2002, three, something like that. It's uh, when the, when I was cruel album was out and uh, his PA went out Okay, and there was no sound. And so while they were fixing the PA, he walked out to the front of the stage and he sang the angels want to wear my red shoes, acapella. The audience was dead silent. Wow. Except for like, there's a few 
few points in that song where there's sort of a call and response. Mm-hmm. There was like no sound. He would sing the line and we would respond. And then we would stop. He sang the entire song, you know, like perfect pitch, everything about it while they're in, in the back, you know, fixing the PA. I mean, the show itself was good, but that moment just still sticks with me as like, I cannot believe this is happening right now. <laughs> That's crazy. It was amazing. And how big is that venue? Uh, the Beacons, you know, less than 2000. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Really nice. cool. Really cool. Question five. What was the scariest concert crowd or mosh pit or whatever you've ever been caught in? Uh, oh, the scariest crowd was by far the Grateful Dead. <laughs> okay. I, so I, um, back when I was in high school, um, Bob Dylan and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers went on tour together um, and they would play. Tom Petty would open, then Bob Dylan would play, and then they would play together. Okay. And then during that summer, for um, there was a string of dates where they played in football stadiums, where then the Grateful Dead would play after all of that. So it was like a day long. And I'm not a I am not a deadhead. Like that was the only time I ever saw them in concert. But <laughs> to see the change, even though it was like the same people, obviously were in the stadium. Uh-huh. The change that happened <laughs> when the Dylan and Petty part stopped. And the Grateful Dead part started was, and they're, you know, they're not scary people, but they're just like the, I mean, the smell, the, (laughs) (laughs) we, we stayed for maybe half an hour at, and at that point, I think the dead had only played one song, Um, (laughs) but we were just like this, this crowd makes me feel weird. I'm not into this music. Like, let's go, let's get out of here. (laughs) And I've never, I've never seen the dead ever again. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Okay. So then the other end of the spectrum, is there a band that turned you into a fan after you saw them live? Yeah. So um, this is Elvis Costello related. So he, uh, I I also saw him one time in in New York as part of a, uh, it was a festival. um, It was called the Guinness Fla, which is, I think fly is Irish for festival. Oh, okay. Um, and Elvis was a headliner and then there were a bunch, some smaller bands on the bill and then playing right before him was Hootie and the Blowfish. Okay. <laughs> and I still wouldn't listen to a, to a, an album by them. I mean, obviously we all listened to the one mm-hmm. uh, when it first came out, but they were so good live. Uh, you could tell they were a, they were a band that like played, you know, when coming up that they were playing bars throughout the South and had really honed their, they were a great live band. And even though they played, you know, the worn out songs from that album, they, they brought like an energy to it that I was not expecting. So, I mean, I, I would say like, I never acted on that. I never saw them again, but I, I might actually still go see them because I just felt like they they came out and put on a show and it was I was blown away. Oh, nice, yeah. That's not the that's not an answer I would have expected <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> oh, it's I I certainly didn't expect it to happen. <laughs> Pleasant surprise. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, question seven: What's your most memorable or favorite brush with fame? It doesn't have to be music related. 
Uh, oh, this is easy. I uh, I met Christian Leitner. Oh, nice Duke uh, alumni. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I you know, uh, there's a picture of me with him where I look like, you know, I look like I got I got everything I ever wanted for Christmas or something. Like I just <laughs> this big goofy smile on my face, and I talked to him for all of five minutes. Um, but yeah, that was that's friendly guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, so I met him at, uh, I went to South by Southwest in Austin okay. one year and it's when, um, they did a documentary called I hate Christian Leitner. Oh yeah. Yeah. I saw that. <laughs> so it's, it's when that was, uh, broadcast being okay. broadcast. So he was actually at South by Southwest promoting it. So he sort of had to be nice, <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> but True. I think he was, I think he would have been, he would have been nice regardless. I think I'd like to think so. Did you did you see that uh, movie? Yep, yep, I did. I did. I remember enjoying it. Yeah, it was it was really well done. I mean, you know, they yes, that was a uh, they were a very good team, and I I can understand how people that were not fans Oof. would yeah. not have liked <laughs> not not just him, but there was plenty of other guys on the team that I I could see as unlikable. I, however, loved all of them. <laughs> yeah no that's uh, i get that mm -hmm. i get that completely um okay so question eight what piece of music memorabilia would you like in your house uh i would like to have uh the spectacular spinning songbook which is um something that elvis costello has taken on tour uh he basically has a big wheel or big yeah big wheel mm -hmm. uh, like a wheel of fortune Okay, not and the uh, not the tricycle thing. <laughs> the yeah, wheel. No, no, no. Right, 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 right. No. Uh, so he's got this uh, this big wheel that's mounted on the on the stage. Okay, and it has you know the little like uh, you know the little post and then like the clicker and so you spin the wheel and it lands on a song. Okay, and then he plays the song. Oh, nice! And so it's this massive. I would say. I don't know where I'd put it. I, I want to say it's 20, 20 feet tall. Oh, uh, Jesus. Okay. Uh, you know, 20 feet wide, 20 feet tall. Um, but I'd love to have that. <laughs> wow. And is there every song that he ever played on that wheel or just the hits or just? It's a, it's a mix. It's not every song, but it's, okay. uh, I hope it's not. Sort of, yeah, I think it's a, it's a mix of, you know, hits and, Um, you know, might be tracks from his current album, but then he'll put he'll put some surprises on there on the off chance that it actually comes up. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So that was the regular questions, quote unquote. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for the quick and quirky questions? I'm ready. All right, let's go. Okay, question one. Would you rather speak all languages or play all musical instruments? Uh, I'd rather speak all languages. I'm uh, uh, I'm sort of you know again I haven't traveled a ton but enough to be exposed to different languages and I I'm I'm sort of blown away by the fact that there are different languages. I mean I you know the line of work you're in you're probably like yes I know that's how it works and you know, <laughs> but uh, I'm just it's fascinating to me that you know these culture you know evolved over time and then it created a different way of saying the same thing, like many different ways of saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I'm fascinated by it. So I definitely, you know, when, when I, in Paris, I, 
I, I want to look at the menu with, in French and see if I can make my way through it. I, I usually can't, but um, so, but I, I definitely would, I would rather speak all languages. Yeah, I, I get that completely. Um, but just a quick aside on the continent, what is your favorite city on the uh, European uh, continent? Uh, it's, it's Paris. Okay, good answer. <laughs> um, I'll tell you one thing that fascinates me with languages is, is for example, um, there is a spot near Aachen in Germany that you, you have the um, border of uh, Netherlands, mm -hmm. Belgium, uh, Netherlands, Belgium, and Germany at the same spot on a uh, like a on a marker, a stone marker, yeah. and thinking of borders and languages that's what fascinates me because like you can draw a line in the sand and you know on your left they speak polish and on your right they speak german and they are separated by like you know 100 feet right it's it, it's crazy when you think about it you know <laughs> i mean it's just even if you even just in in our countries the same language you can go from state to state or province to province And hear a completely different version of English or French. Yeah. Um, I'm still, I still remember being on the flight from Montreal to Quebec City, and hearing these, seeing these like big burly, like <laughs> lumberjack guys <laughs> speaking this like really like rough version of French. Yes. <laughs> you know? And I, and like you could hear him talking like that sounds like French, but that doesn't sound like French I've ever heard before. Yeah, no, it's just I get it's that. fascinating. <laughs> All right. Okay, so question two. If you could get a ticket to any show or event, music or sports, what would you want a ticket to? Past or present or future, whatever. Uh, and and does this not depend on whether it, it, it would ever actually happen? <laughs> uh, it could be a, a hypothetical, yeah, sure. Okay. I would like to have a ticket to see the U.S. play in the World Cup final. Good shout. Yes. And I mean, it'll never, I'll never get it and it'll never happen. But I've said to myself for years, I would, if that ever happened, I would do whatever I needed to, to get a ticket to that. They will get to the tournament uh, at some point for sure. But uh, the final game, mm, that I would take uh, I can't, I can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not in our lifetime. <laughs> yeah. I'll leave, I'll leave, uh, I'll leave something in my will. It's my <laughs> To my descendants so that they can they can do it <laughs> but uh, no i mean just a regular game in the tournament would be amazing yeah you know so the next one is in qatar i don't know if you would want to go there <laughs> i think i'll i think i'll pass it yeah. is coming here in oh yeah isn't uh, it like uh, 2030 like the uh, three countries like a few games in Canada a few games in Mexico and most of them in the US I think so I think so I know that Chicago is not one of the cities that's being played in okay um for whatever reason um but that's fine yeah i mean that when when it does i yeah just to go to a just a one game would would be would be pretty cool i'm be awesome but uh yeah so that's if they make it Hold me to it. I'm going to go. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe I'm, I don't know if they qualified for the Euros, Ireland, but you know, maybe next time Ireland qualify for the Euros, you know, it could be a plan B. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll knock on wood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <How about? laughs> All right. So question three, what is your favorite insect? It's probably the bee. I think 
I feel like somebody <laughs> talked about this before, but yes. I, yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, I knowing, knowing what we know about them mm-hmm. and how they contribute to our environment. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm all for them. So, and I'm, yes. <laughs> I'm not allergic and they don't bother me. So I'll say the B good for them for doing whatever it is they do to keep us going. Yep. Good. Uh, good shout. Uh, question four, what scene from a movie scarred you for life? So um, I have a severe phobia of snakes. Okay. Um, like even a still photo is like, will creep you out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yet one of my favorite films is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ah, uh, that scene. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> I, uh, you know, I watch it sort of, you know, looking through my, uh, luckily I've seen the, I've seen the movie enough to be able to kind of look away or just yes. <laughs> look out of the corner of my eye. And, uh, I know what's happening, but there's definitely, there's even parts of the scene and I won't say them cause I don't want to trigger anyone that might have the same phobia, but there are pieces of that scene that are even like, yeah, yeah. So I think I, I have one one shot in mind. Uh, do you want me to say it or should we just move on? <laughs> uh, let's just move on. <laughs> okay. But, but I'll ask, is there any reason why snakes or? I don't, I don't know. You know, I've, and I've, I've asked, you know, I've asked my mother, like, did, was there something happened when I was a kid that I don't remember? And yeah, I don't know. I just think there's, you know, I just developed I, something I developed and, I mean, it's uh, it's not weird at all because I don't like them either. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't blame you. I'm sure they're. I mean, you know, I know people keep them as pets and feel like they're completely normal things, but for me, it's I yeah. No, yeah, no, I I don't get that either. Like a snake as a pet, what's wrong with a with a dog or a cat? Yeah, you know, I don't I don't get it. Are those people that desperate to be different? <laughs> Maybe. <You know? laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That's another topic entirely. Mm-hmm. All right. So question five. What is the best nickname you've ever heard? Um, all right. So I still have a big group of friends back in Raleigh, and uh, we all sort of have nicknames. And um, one of uh, there's one guy who's he's a very big guy, mm-hmm. um, weighs well over 300 pounds, And when we first met him, we called him Big Mike, which is like a terrible nickname. Right? <laughs> um, somehow, over- especially especially if his name is not Mike. It's <laughs> <laughs> right. oh, a, a good point. Um, over time, uh, his name sort of it migrated a bit, and we now call him Grande. Oh, right, which classier feels a little more a little, a little classier. Mm-hmm. Um, He has a younger brother who's even bigger than he is. Okay. Um, and when we first met him, he didn't. He moved to North Carolina, you know, a few years after after we first became friends with Grande. We started calling him Grande Light, <laughs> nice, as though he was like the light version of Grande, when in fact he was actually a bit bigger. So we we call him Light. So that's his nickname is Light. So he's okay. you know he probably weighs like three thirty. Jesus. Um, big guy. Both these guys are like, they're big, but they're, they're not like, like they're former athlete big. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, strong men, big, strong, right. Big, exactly. Just big, okay. big, but you know, yeah. like put the weight on after they stopped playing sports, but still, 
Uh, but yeah, I just, I laughed at like, you know, the biggest guy of our group, we call him light. <laughs> and, uh, may I ask what your nickname is? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> My, mine's pretty easy because for, for the past 25 years, uh, we've all played in a fantasy football league together mm-hmm. and I'm in charge. So I'm commish. Ah, nice. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I wasn't sure what to expect, but I was ex- expecting like something like really weird or, you know, not raunchy, but you know what I mean? Like, like yeah, I know it's all, it's almost too logical. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Kamish is uh, almost too respectful. Yeah. <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah, almost. <laughs> but don't, don't complain about it. They might change it and call you something much worse. <laughs> you know, they might. Yeah. It's pretty, uh, it, it's, it's pretty ingrained now. So I think it would be hard to change at this point, but yeah, luck. You're right. It could have been worse. <laughs> All right. Okay. So question six, what would you name your boat if you had one? Um, let's see. Uh, they're, traditionally they're named after women, right? Yes. Hmm. But don't let that stop you. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Gosh, that's, I'd call it, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'd call it the, uh, I call it the hole in one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Why not? Yeah. It's the closest I'll ever get. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good point. Okay. I don't know your uh, golfing skills, but uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's a good, uh, that's a good shout. Okay. <laughs> What's your uh, <laughs> handicap? Uh, well, my handicap is, you know, my, my driver, my irons and my putting, um, (laughs) (laughs) no, I, I, I play to about a 15, so I'm not a, you know, I'm not winning the club championships anytime soon. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So question seven, where is the worst smelling place you've been to? My mother's mother, my grandmother, uh, lived in West Virginia. And so we would, we would drive there often to visit her. And on the way to her house, uh, in one of the towns, there was a paper mill. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever driven by a paper mill? Yeah. And my, my city used to be the, the Canadian capital of uh, paper mills. Oh, okay. So yeah, I know that smell. It's yeah. horrendous. <laughs> yes. So that, that is, you know, we talk about Proustian. I mean, that is like, <laughs> yes. I still, that's that smell. I can still... I smell it right now. Just, just mention it, but that's luckily it was always just driving through. Mm. So I never, we never stopped. Thank God. Only for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, all the paper mills have closed since, but uh, yeah, I got, I got a, like a Vietnam war style flashback. <laughs> right. <when> you mentioned <laughs> that. So yeah. Oh gee. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that smelled. Mm-hmm. So bad. Okay. <laughs> question <laughs> Question eight. When did you screw everything up, but no one ever found out it was you? Uh, I'm, I'm not a, uh, I'm no saint, but I really can't think of an instance. Um, I can't think of an instance. I mean, the closest, the closest thing I could think of is that, you know, I, uh, when I was a senior in high school, there was a, a weekend that my parents went out of town and I threw a party. It's such a cliche. <laughs> um, they, they knew they did find out. Um, and, you know, luckily I, I feel like I, I can't remember the details, but I do feel like there was something 
something was broken or stolen that they never found out about. So <laughs> I feel like that's the closest, like they, they knew I threw a party and, and I was punished because of it, but I, I feel like they came back and to them, the house looked intact and nothing was missing, but, but I do think there was. And so now they know <laughs> they listen. <laughs> that's something, I just don't remember what it was. I don't remember what it was, but yeah, that's the closest thing I can think of. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, question nine. What is the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week? Uh, ooh, this week. Um, or recently. Yeah. Maybe today. Oh, gosh. Um, wow. I'm really I'm struggling. I, I, should, uh, I should read more interesting things. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will admit I didn't, I didn't fully read... The article, so I, I don't want to quote too much of it, but I did. I briefly saw that um, there's something in the U.S. There's there's something like five states have five states are responsible for something like 50% of the vaccinations that have happened so far in the U.S. Really? Okay. Y yeah. Which I so I will say like I haven't gotten it yet. Um, you know, Illinois has has been very regimented and how they've kind of slowly opened up to more and more of the population and you know they're do they go with uh, age groups mm -hmm. or um, types of work or started with age groups then has gone to type of work and then you know underlying medical conditions and you know so far i haven't qualified for anything now next week it's it's going to be opened up to basically everyone over 16 so oh um, okay But then I, but then I see, you know, friends on social media posting, you know, who are my age or younger and live in other states. I'm like, how, how are, I don't like, I just don't understand how it works. And then when I saw this today that, um, you know, that five states are, have, have driven, you know, something like 50% of over overall vaccinations. I mean, first of all, yes, there are some states that are much more populous than others. So mm -hmm. Certainly, you know, if you vaccinated half of California and half of, you know, Wyoming, yeah. <laughs> that's the, the delta in that is, is significant. Yeah. But it also says to me, like, you know, unfortunately, we just haven't had a, a national strategy for rolling this out. I mean, we have more so now than we did six months ago. But yes. um, the fact that, like, it's still this unequal kind of distribution. Um, but I just, that blew me away that there was such a small subset of the country that's actually driven most of what's happened so far. Yeah. Same, same thing here. Uh, it's been going really slow here. And I mm -hmm. think like um, right now in Quebec, I think 20% of the population is vaccinated, but uh, I saw that on Twitter today the five states that border Quebec, the five U.S. states, mm -hmm. they all have like um, almost double the numbers uh, as we do. Wow. Yeah, it's really frustrating. And I see on Twitter people, you know, younger than me with their two shots already. Yep. Uh, this, I mean, I know we are not going anywhere anyway. And I have a very safe job. You know, I, I stay here all day working from home. Yeah. But it, it, it's still frustrating, you know. Yeah, I just think I mean we're all we're all sort of busting to get out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, to feel to feel safe going, you know, 
yeah. getting out and seeing people again. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, like we, I sort of do, I mean, I do a, a bit of it. Um, you know, I, I will say like one, one benefit last year of being a golfer mm-hmm. is that it's a sport that's played outside and it's easy to distance. Yeah, that's true. When you're, when you're, so I, I didn't, I felt like I still had something to do to keep my mind and body active last year, but then you couldn't do the other things that are fun about it, like have beers afterwards with the guys and that sort of thing. So yeah, uh, yeah I'm just, I'm, I'm eager to, I think it'll, I think it'll start to ramp up a lot more quickly over the next several weeks, at least, at least down here, hopefully for you guys as well. But yeah, I think uh, it, it'll be a shame if we get to the fall and we haven't gotten to a little more sense of normalcy. Ooh, yeah, and hopefully, I mean, yeah, we, I don't want to turn this into COVID talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, it's you know we better hurry because we don't want the variants mm-hmm. uh, mutating into something that the vaccine cannot fight. Right, and then we would be in big trouble again. And then yeah. what? You know, I, yeah, I can't. Uh, <sighs> Yeah. I mean, you can only do so much for so long before losing your mind. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So moving on. (laughs) Question 10. If you were given a one minute ad slot during the Super Bowl that you couldn't sell, you have to use it. What would you fill it with? I mean, it's it's a funny question for me, Patrick, because I've actually done that. Yes. I have bought an ad in the Super Bowl. Um, it wasn't my message. It was obviously my <laughs> client's message, but I've actually done it. Um, you know, if I, if I bought it, um, I would run, you know, just to, to stay political for a moment, I, I would definitely, I would run some sort of gun safety message or, or fundraiser message for, uh, gun safety advocacy groups or something like that. That's, that's sort of the one, the one thing that I, you know, feel most strongly about uh, as, as it relates to politics in the U S and it's a big audience. And, you know, unfortunately it's a, it's a bizarre conversation in this country and I not to go down that road, but I think I would just, I would use that platform to, to talk more about that. Is it a big uh, problem in uh, Illinois? Um, I mean, in, there are parts of Chicago where it definitely is. I do think that, uh, I mean, I think Chicago becomes a shorthand sometimes for the, the argument that, you know, well, look, you know, look what happens in Chicago. Um, Mm -hmm. although if you looked at it on a per capita basis, it's much safer in Chicago than it is in a lot of other, a lot of other cities. And I, I live in the suburbs, which is like, you know, you could, probably leave your house unlocked here and it's, it's not, you know, it's safe. Um, so it's not a, uh, I'd say it's, it's, it's not a big issue here. I mean, our, our, you know, our issue in, in Illinois as happens with a lot of States is that Indiana, which is right next to us mm-hmm. has very lax gun regulations. So if you run in people that run into a roadblock here can just drive down the road and, you know, this sort of patchwork of stock up. <laughs> yeah. This, this patchwork of laws with, you know, state to state, um, that that's, that creates the issue. If you have uh, strict laws and your neighboring state doesn't, it kind of defeats the purpose. Right. 
kind of yeah that's the yeah that's the problem um okay so that was the first section are you good for overtime yeah let's go for it awesome question one you are going back in time and wind up face to face with 15 year old you you have 10 seconds before you travel back to the present day what do you tell your younger self uh, i would uh, i'd say dress better <laughs> Okay. You still have uh, eight seconds left. <laughs> uh, I just, yeah, I, um, I don't know. You see old pictures and I realize some of it's a fashion of the time, but I, I also just see pictures and I'm like, what, like, what made you think that that was, I like to think I'm actually a fairly well-dressed person now. And I wasn't for the longest time. So I don't know. I just tell myself to maybe dress a little better. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and everything else is cool. So, okay. Yeah, everything, so yeah. all, every, everything turned out fine. But uh, yeah, it'd be, be nice to look at some old pictures and not go, what What were you, what were you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Um, question two. If you could live in anyone's head, a la being John Malkovich, for 15 minutes, only spectate, you cannot control them, who would you choose, past or present? Uh, I... I would choose to live in Barry Gordy's head, uh, the founder of Motown, mm. and be able to hear Marvin Gaye sing for the first time. Yeah, that's a good shout. I, I, I mean, I just trying to imagine what must have gone through his head when he heard that voice. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd love to know what that was like. Yeah. No, excellent, excellent answer. Um, question three, you are on death row. Tomorrow it's curtains, but you choose the way you're going, okay? matter No matter the logistics, uh, you can go big or small, quick or slow, whatever. <laughs> whatever your, uh, your kink. <laughs> How do you want to go? Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to. <laughs> The answer, old age, has already been taken, so uh, I'm sorry. Jeez. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the easiest thing would just, to, yeah, like something that happens in your sleep, mm -hmm. um, yeah. you know, just fall asleep and you don't wake up. That way you don't, you don't even know that it, you don't know that it happened or depending on what happens after that, you may think that you just woke up and then you're in some new reality. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea, right? Uh, so, yeah, I'll say, uh, I don't know if there's some way to, um, some, some way to, uh, to cause a, a brain hemorrhage that happens when I sleep that just sort of. Well, I mean, there's always something like, um, I don't know, vodka and Xanax. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> If you want to, you know, go the go that way. <laughs> yeah, whatever it was Keith Moon had. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. It was it was John Bonham that uh, who uh, choked uh, on his own. Uh, sorry if that's gross, but who choked on his own vomit? I think that's right. I think I think ironically, Keith Moon overdosed on uh, like pills he was taking to control his alcoholism. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Just, just yeah, like. Talk about ironic. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't even know you could overdose on on those. Yeah, I don't. I huh. mean, maybe you can if you chase them with 
vodka. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Good. Good point. All right. Okay. So yeah, you want to go like in your sleep, painless. Yeah. Like just drift away. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. So question four, your superpower is that you can give phobias to people. What things would you, things or concepts or whatever, would you make people afraid of? It's such a good question because it's like the, it's so easy to say, what would you, what would you take away from like, what, what fears would you remove from people? Yeah. But the, what would you actually give people? I think it would, it would be good to give people a fear of, God, geez. Um, I feel like a lot of people have fear of death. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sort of thinking about this philosophically, but I would almost like, I would want to like really ingrain that in people so that in, in the hopes of, of sort of shifting behavior, I feel like that would make people be more empathetic to people who are suffering or um, things along those lines. Like if, if people actually, maybe it's, maybe it's, I would give them a fear of suffering. Like, I feel like there's a lot of selfishness because people sort of have this mentality that, oh, well that that's happening to that person, but it's not happening to me. I mean, we've seen it over the past year, right? Mm -hmm. Where, well, I don't need to wear a mask because Mm -hmm. I'm not sick, you know? So maybe it's not fear of death, but it's like fear of fear of suffering. Um, you know, it's, it's like, so that people would stop having this mentality that just because someone else is going through something, that means you wouldn't, you know, and it's like, if that would be a way to inspire more empathy, then if I can't, if I can't give them the gift of empathy, I'll give them the fear of suffering and I'll beat it. I'll beat the empathy into them. Right? Yeah. <laughs> or maybe give them the fear of lacking empathy. Yeah. And that's sort of like, right. Another, yeah, I, I, I was very vindictive. I'm going to give them a fear of suffering, but you're right. Like, uh, um, yeah, I just, you know, I, it sort of makes me, th- I just wish, you know, I, I wish people understood more that, other people go through things and that has an impact on, you know, how they behave and, um, you know, why they do things a certain way. And it, it's sort of the, the adage of you never, like, you never know what someone that, that small amount of time that you have to talk with someone, you don't know what else is going on in their life. So like be kind in that moment that you are interacting with somebody. And it's, so it's like, if I could inspire that through a fear of, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like suffering through the same thing, then, then so be it. But just something that hopefully just inspires people to be kinder. But uh, fear of death wouldn't be a bad answer either, because maybe that's a big maybe, but maybe that would, uh, that might force people to live their life to the fullest and not focus on some so much meaningless stuff. But that's yeah, very yeah, optimistic. No, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a great point too. I mean, I, I, you know, I, it's something I think about it a lot. And it's, it's, you know, particularly like in work, sometimes mm-hmm. you're sort of struggling with doing a certain project or, you know, I've got to write this email or I'm, I'm super focused and worried about this impact. And then you take a step back for you for a second and you say, if I don't do this exactly right, what does that really matter in the grand scheme of things? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, yes, it's my career. I get paid to do this, but if I'm 99% right, that 1% is not worth the angst that I'm giving myself over it. Because am I going to look back 20 years from now and say, 
boy, if I had just, you know, written a different sentence there, you know, that would have made a difference, you know? So, yeah. There is this, um, I read that somewhere. There is kind of a question that you should ask yourself a lot if you get stuck in that mindset that you just mentioned. Would it matter in five minutes? Would it matter in five days? Would Mm -hmm. it matter in five years? Yeah. Or something like that, you know? Yeah. That's a good, that's a good uh, compass to uh, guide your decisions. You yeah, know? absolutely. No, we've, we, we've used, we've used those questions in this family quite a bit. Okay. You know, um, especially, you know, when we're making a, you know, like maybe it's a family decision or it could just be making a, you know, where are we going to travel on our next vacation? It's like, well, if we did this or we did this, You know, it's like, do you spend the extra money and fly to Europe? Mm -hmm. Because in five years from now, are you going to look back and say, I can't believe we did that? Or I'm so glad we did that. You know, and it's almost always the second thing, right? I I can't believe we did that. Or I can't believe we did not do that. Right. (laughs) You know, it can't go either way. (laughs) Absolutely. There you go. All right. So question five, would you rather win, let's say $2 million tax-free, no questions asked, or let's say enough to enough so that you can retire right away mm-hmm. or wake up tomorrow, 10 years younger? Uh, I, I, I think I not go back, not go back in time. Like, you know, wake up tomorrow. Okay. In so 2021. I'm, still at, I'm still at this point in time, but I'm 10 yes, years younger, but you're just physically 10 years younger. So you would live 10 years more hmm. unless you get in an accident or something, but you know what I mean? You know, <laughs> right. physically 10 years younger. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Um, I, you know, I'm, I might, I might go, I might go younger. I might go 10 years younger. Uh, and, and I think the biggest reason is, is because I, you know, I was a little older when we had kids, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, it's all relative, but, um, you know, I have, I have friends that I, who are my age, who now have kids that have finished college. You know, my, my kids are still in elementary and, and middle school. So I, I like the idea that I would, I would get that 10 extra years with them. Mm-hmm. Um, when I start to extrapolate the time out of, Oh, when, you know, when my daughter's this age, that means I'm going to be this age. And it's like, <laughs> I'd love to pull 10 years back from that and know that I, I had some more time with them. Yeah. Yeah. Good shout. And also there will always be money, you know, yeah. but time, you get only so much of it. No father time is undefeated. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. So question six, what is the best compliment you've ever received? I mean, it's, it's when someone says, you know, you got a great, you have a great kid. Mm -hmm. I mean, the best, the best compliment I think a parent can get is, is someone saying that, you know, you, you have a good kid, you know, it's, you know, whatever it is, you know, your, your kid's really kind, your, your kid played well on the ice, (laughs) your, you know, your kid was so good in that, in that play or what, you know, whatever it is, I think uh, just, you know, as a, as a parent, you sort of do what you can to prepare these people to make their own way in the world. And, you know, you, you, you can't do it all, but you, you hope you set them on the right path. And so, yeah, to me, the the best compliment you I can possibly get is when, when someone says something good about one of my kids. Yeah, that's a yeah, good answer. You can, you can do it all, but you can only do your best. Right. You know, and you try. 
that's yeah. that's the that's yeah. the important thing. Yep. Uh, question seven: What is your hometown best known for? Probably basketball. I think. I think. I mean, maybe not as much now, but certainly when I was growing up, you know, I mean, N- NC State is in my hometown, and mm-hmm. so they're de- that's what they're definitely known for. I mean, I think I think yeah, some people think about that part of North Carolina. That's that's the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. Okay, yeah, that works. Um, oh yeah, this is a new question, and uh, shout out to uh, John Mutford. Okay, uh, I got that question from him. Think zombie movies. Do you like your zombies fast or slow? <laughs> I do recall seeing uh, this discussion on Twitter. <laughs> There you um, go. <laughs> I've, I've, I think I'll say I'll say slow. I think mm-hmm. it's sort of that's the classic. That's true. That's classic zombie behavior. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stay old school and say and say zombies should be slow. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they're slow in Shaun of the Dead, right? They're they're the slow. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And that's probably my favorite zombie movie. So yeah, we'll we'll say we'll say slow. Good. Good shout. I mean. I think, and I mentioned that on Twitter, when I think fast movies, uh, fast movies, fast zombies, <laughs> um, the one that comes to mind, and I think it's the best one, is uh, 28 Days Later. Yep. And I cannot think, well, I mean, I think there was a um, a um, Korean movie, Train to Busan. I don't remember if they were fast or slow, but it was a, it was a fun movie. Yeah, I haven't seen, I haven't seen that one. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, I feel like... T- 28 Days Later might have been the start of the fast zombie. I think, wasn't there Return of the Living Dead in the early 90s? I think those zombies were fast. Yeah. I feel like that was a, um, that was more of a comedy. Yes. Right? Wasn't that, it was like a parody of zombie movies? Yeah. Comedy horror. I vaguely remember seeing it. Yeah. 1985. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Dan O'Bannon director who also written also wrote uh, Total Recall I think with uh, Arnold oh wow I think or did he, did he write Alien as well hmm anyway yeah sounds familiar and we have yeah we have people screaming at their phone right now <laughs> yes he did no he did not <laughs> right <laughs> you idiot <laughs> all right <laughs> okay so next question name me three items on your bucket list That's a new question as well, I think. Okay. Well, I'd like to go to Tokyo. Mm-hmm. I've never been to Asia, and that that's sort of number one on my list. Um, I would, um, I mean, I would, I would like to play Augusta National. Um, <laughs> okay. I don't know that I'll ever be able to make that happen, but um, I would like to do that. So I'll put it on my list, and we'll see. Maybe a duffel bag full of cash would uh, solve the problem. Maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, this this will be easy, but you know, and it is it's still travel related. But um, I mean, like, my kids haven't been to Ireland yet, so I, I'll just I, I would put that on there because I there's a part of me I I do want to take them, but there's also a part of me that is a little worried that they won't <laughs> feel the same way about it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I get that. There'll be this. Um, it's interesting. I think my my daughter tends to uh, connect with things similar to me, and then my son tends to be 
more connected with things my wife likes. So um, it's funny how that develops. I don't know how it happens, but it just does. So, uh, so maybe I'll just take her. <laughs> you want to play it safe? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't handle the disappointment. <laughs> Well, I mean, either way, knock on wood for Tokyo. That's yeah. uh, that's that's a great uh, project, you know. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, yeah. it works out. Yeah, when I mean, we can you know, travel again, when, whenever that is, when and if. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, question eleven: If you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, um, language is not an issue. Who would it be? Uh, okay. So. Um, Uh, Robert Kennedy would be one. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, he's a, a personal hero. And then, you know, I'd say like probably Paul McCartney. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, uh, I'd sort of like I put this table together, and I'm like, I wouldn't even say a word because I just would be so <laughs> intimidated. So that that has that has to also not be a barrier, right? <laughs> the, the sort of intimidation no, yes. <laughs> factor of being around Good these <laughs> being around these folks. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know, you know. So f- for the fourth, I, you know, I'd say maybe, um, yeah, I don't know, it's it's so hard. I mean, there's so many to so many to choose from. Uh, yeah, I, phew, <laughs> I'm just I'm drawing it. I'm drawing a blank on that. Maybe you know maybe. I'll say Marvin Gaye. Just, yeah. Uh, I'll just to uh, call back to call back to him. Uh, maybe he'd maybe he'd like sing for us after dinner or something. <laughs> <laughs> But okay, so wait. Uh, okay, Robert Kennedy, politician. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul McCartney, musician. Maybe you would or you wouldn't care. You would want a person from another field as a as a. Fort- oh yeah, no, that's a good. Oh, you know. So then I'll say um, I'll say Phil Mickelson. Okay. Yeah. Good shot. Yeah. 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 Because okay. he'll he probably pick up the tab too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm pretty sure McCartney would be good for it as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I think about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Question twelve. What is the biggest surprise you've had over the last few months? Um. Biggest surprise. Good or bad? I'd say this one. I mean, maybe this wasn't a surprise, but. We spent a few weeks in Florida a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and um, I sort of expected going in that masks were, would not be in, um, you know, we would not see as many masks as, as we would in other places. And um, but I was I was shocked at how much of that was the staff at places, like mm-hmm. people working at grocery stores and coffee shops and restaurants that that they weren't wearing masks. Like I sort of expected that the customers, you know, would, would, you know, be against that, but I'm just surprised that I was surprised that the businesses weren't concerned about the liability and wouldn't have their, uh, their folks masked up. So, you know, and we were good about, we would often be the only people wearing a mask going into certain places and, Wow. When we did when we did go to a restaurant, we always made sure they had outdoor seating so that we also had. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just was I sort of expected because Florida just seems like it's a little bit of the Wild West. Yes. <laughs> but I was surprised at 
and yeah, just the fact that the people working in places weren't, weren't doing it either. Hmm. Well, hopefully uh, it doesn't turn into anything uh, bad in the next uh, few weeks. <laughs> no, no, I got tested as soon as I got back. So okay. all good. I'm, in, I'm invincible. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Rock on. Uh, question 13. What keeps you up at night? Uh, like wondering how, wondering how things will turn out for my kids. Um, just, you know, hoping that they are, are able to grow up in a, in a world that works for them. Um, and yeah, a world that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it's been, uh, it's been a tough year. It's been a tough year for kids. They are not, they're not designed to, you know, be stuck inside like this and, and to not have this sort of contact with their friends and um, have sort of, you know, school is, you know, one day you're in school, but you're sitting in a room with a mask and then the next day you're at home and you're on your iPad. And it's just, um, I, wor- I worry about the, the sort of mental strain we we're putting on them. And then just, I, I was already worried about the sort of world they're going to grow up in. So it does, it does keep me up at night. Sometimes you just want to make sure that they have what they need and that they're, they're ready. And like, luckily they're not going anywhere anytime soon. But um, when that time comes, I just want to, I want to make sure it's, it's all set up well for them. Yeah. Uh, fingers crossed. Yeah. You know, all right. So uh, last question, 14, what is your fork in the road moment, your sliding doors moment, you know, the one pivotal moment in your life? So this is interesting because on our, on our drive to Florida a few weeks ago, we, um, we drove through Atlanta and be- between North Carolina and New York, I spent a year in Atlanta. Okay. And, uh, I didn't, I didn't much enjoy it. So I don't really talk much about it. It's, it, it was fine. It is what it is. Um, but um, on my way to work one day, I got in a car accident and I was fine, but the, my car was completely totaled. Okay. Um, and I just, I remember like after that happened, you know, I sort of didn't like living there anyway. And um, I had, you know, really close friends who were in New York. And I just remember, I remember talking to them and saying like, ah, oh, you know, this, this stinks. I like, I'm in a job I don't like. Um, I like just lost my car. Like, how am I going to be able to buy another car? And, and they said, you know, you, this, like, maybe this is a sign. Maybe this is the time you should move, like move to New York. You can stay with us while you're looking for your own apartment, blah, 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 all this. And I, I th- I think about that sometimes. Like if I hadn't if I hadn't gotten in that accident, would I have eventually made it up there anyway, or did I need that sort of yeah. kick in the pants to shake myself out of doing the easy thing? Um, and I had to be in a situation where, like, I I was completely pushed out of my comfort zone, and then that was a catalyst to to having me make Mm. that move. And then obviously I moved to New York. I met my wife. I, you know, I started my career, like all those things happen. So anyway, we drove right by the spot where that happened a few weeks ago. Okay. Cause I showed, I was like, basically I I said to the family, I'm like, 
you guys are probably here because of what happened right here. <laughs> and of course, my kids are like on their phone, like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, that's pro- that was that's something I could look back on and go, if that hadn't happened, I kind of wonder what how things would have turned out. Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, good, uh, good answer. Interesting answer as well. Yeah. Nice. All right. So that's the, that's the questions. We've been going for almost two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm very long winded. So thanks for. <laughs> oh, no, that's, uh, uh, thank you for taking the time to, to be, to be here today. I, I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. This was uh this was a, a lot of fun and um yeah, I'm glad I'm glad we did this and uh yeah, hopefully people stay through to the end because it is <laughs> we did go for a while. Um I'm not I'm not worried. I think we I mean we covered a ton of uh, different topics and I think there should be something for uh, everyone. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, where can we uh, find you online? Uh I like the best place to track me down is on is on Twitter. Um, my handle is, is at K Hartbarger. So it's, it's H A R T B A R G E R. It's phonetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's super easy. Uh, and as I said, I, I post a song lyric every day, um, have been doing that for several years now and then general nonsense and you know, <laughs> other, other silly jokes from time to time. Uh, I, uh, for a while, my Twitter bio said, uh, I might still say it is, uh, my views are completely ridiculous and 100% my own, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> it it might it might still be that. I I remember mm-hmm. seeing that somewhere, so that yeah. might be it. <laughs> All right. Okay. So um, thank you very much for listening, everyone, and we will uh, talk to you again soon. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you.